Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Know Who Drives Return. To listen to all of our podcasts, be sure to visit podcast.boardroomalpha.com and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any. And now back to the episode. Welcome to Know Who Drives Return at Boardroom Alpha. I'm your host, Joanna Macris, and today we're back talking ESG and boardroom accountability. Joining us today is Michael Garland, Assistant Comptroller for Corporate Governance and Responsible Investment at the New York City Office of the Comptroller. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Hi, Joanna. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you here. Um, so you work with Brad Lander to manage the New York City pension funds, um, something around $260 billion in assets under management, if I'm right. Um, give us a sense for, um, well, one, your background, how you arrived at the role, um, and it's kind of a snapshot of the portfolio itself. Sure. Um, I'm responsible for the Corporate Governance and Responsible Investment Program, which includes uh, engaging our portfolio companies, um, we're a very active owner, file a lot of shareholder proposals. We also um, vote proxies for our entire public equity portfolio, which is about 11,000 companies around the world, including about 3,000 U.S. companies. So the funds have a very long track record in history with board accountability. Um, talk to us a little bit about um, kind of how you view your, your worldview on ESG and how you manage kind of portfolio performance, financial metrics with the pillars of ESG and how those are weighted for you. Um, you know, for, I think corporate governance for us, it's all about the board. So the boardroom accountability work is, we have very high expectations of the directors that we elect to re represent us in the boardroom. We want to make sure that they are fulfilling their oversight responsibilities on our behalf and that we have the rights and the tools to hold them accountable when they don't. And there's been a, a, a evolution, I'd say. I've been doing this work for about a decade. And the evolution that I've seen is from you know, board independence, which remains paramount, used to be a large part of the focus when investors evaluated directors. Mm -hmm. But I think we've evolved to a place where we're really focused on board quality, making sure that we have the right directors in the boardroom with the you know, adequate gender and racial diversity and the right skills and experience to oversee the company's long-term risks and strategy. So when you start to dive into, you know, looking at a company board, I think a lot of the focus is on executive compensation. Um, maybe walk us through kind of what some of the line items that you look for, kind of your scorecard for quality board governance. Sure. I mean, executive pay is a it's a good um, indicator of board independence. A captured board is more likely to uh, uh, grant excessive executive pay. But it's certainly a fundamental, you know, providing uh, aligning compensation with long-term performance is a key responsibility of the board. We, we look at the diversity of the board and um, we'll often look at the skills and experience of individual directors, particularly with respect to the committees they sit on and their responsibilities on the board. Mm -hmm. right, do you look very actively at the insider trading metrics among the board members, for example? Um, 
not not routinely. I mean, we are we want to make sure that companies have um, policies. In fact, we've been quite active on um, reform of 10b51 plans, which are put in place um, to give a safe harbor to executives and directors um, in terms of insider trading. And the SEC just um, proposed some reforms to 10b51 plans. And Controller Lander submitted a comment with respect. I mean, we support the proposed rules, but the controller recommended some ways to enhance those rules. Yeah. If you kind of give us a high-level take at you know the activities, ongoing activities among the various proxy votes that you're involved in across your portfolio of companies, what are kind of the most important issues that you're seeking change on? Um, I would say most of our well. I mean, it's an odd question. It's, not, it's a good question, but I would I'd bifurcate it. In terms of proxy voting, you know, we're very support tend to be quite supportive of shareholder proposals on environmental and social issues, much more so than the proxy advisors. But in terms of things we're trying to change, I think that speaks more to our own activism, mm-hmm. which has focused largely on human capital management and board and. Uh, board and employment diversity, particularly with respect to senior executive diversity. And at um, those companies that are, I'd call them systemically important carbon emitters, you know, climate risk oversight and disclosure is paramount. Right. You mentioned kind of a divergence between the way you look at the world and maybe some of the proxy advisory firms. Um, how do you think you know your worldview may be different, and what are some of the issues that you think you're more stringent on? Um, you know, where, where where is that divergence really? Um, I think we um, tend to be a little more comfortable voting against management on, particularly on shareholder. We're much more supportive of shareholder proposals generally. And then you know, we seek to hold directors accountable for oversight failures uh, with respect to you know, climate risk and or you know, uh, human capital management failures. And then clearly on executive pay, you know, I, we're very proud of our uh, voting record on executive compensation, which is a complex, very complex. Right. Um, how uh, go, going to the human capital management arena? Um, you have a very a highly publicized campaign at Amazon, where you you know you, as along with New York State and others, are trying to unseat two board members at Amazon responsible for human capital management. Um, you've talked a lot about health and safety concerns. Kind of give us the context um, and and background of that situation. Sure. We we have um, you know Amazon. I think it's now the second largest employer in the United, maybe in the world, they have 1.6 million employees worldwide. We've attempted to engage with the Amazon board on health and safety related issues since 2020. Initially, it was with respect to COVID related health and safety. And we filed a shareholder proposal for last year's annual meeting on COVID related health and safety. The company requested and received permission from the SEC to exclude that proposal from its proxy statement. They also tried to exclude this year's proposal on racial and gender disparities in their high injury rates. Um, But fortunately, the company was unsuccessful and shareholders will have an opportunity to vote on the responsibility to vote on that proposal at their annual meeting on uh, later this month. 
yeah, I found that very interesting that they, you know, refused a meeting and um, are now being held to the fire. Um, talk to us a little bit more about um, when you talk about gender diversity, inclusivity, um, what do you like to see in terms of the board and the workforce? And what do you know, people talk about greater transparency and accountability from the companies. What are some of the data and metrics that you want to see from these companies? Um, sure. First of all, it, I think disclosure is critical. And with respect to the board, what we like to see is, and in fact, filed shareholder proposals this season, we like to see good disclosure you know, on a director-specific basis. You know, what is the self-identified race and ethnicity of individual directors? I mean, you can sort of guess at gender, but even that's imperfect. Unless companies tell us, we don't know, you know which directors on their board are there are diverse and or not diverse. Yeah. And I mean, why, why do you think there is this lack of transparency right now? Uh, I think that there's, I'm not sure that directors um, view it this way. I think management is often reluctant to ask their directors to give, to provide that disclosure. What we tend to see is aggregate disclosure. So companies will say that, you know, 15% of our directors are black and, you know, 25% are women, but it doesn't allow us to, we don't know which directors those are. Yeah. Who do you, um, you know, when you think about, and this doesn't have to be within the portfolio of companies, but in general, um, who do you think is doing a good job? Where do you see, you know, companies making some positive strides towards greater transparency? Um, you know, we tend to look for outliers. I mean, you know, Microsoft's a company that has good disclosure generally, but most most of our um, active ownership initiatives tend to be on on laggards. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about, I mean, with respect to Amazon and the situation there, obviously there's a lot going on with unionization and kind of the second effort seems to have sputtered a bit. Um, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, how that trend might continue? And you're seeing unionization pushes at, you know, companies like Starbucks, you know, other big retailers. Um, you know, do, do you think that that's a driver towards better employee, you know, quality of life? Uh, yes, I, th I think that Unionization should be up to the workers and workers should have the right to form or not form a union without interference from the employer. And that's the definition of freedom of associations defined by the International Labor Organization. It's also a principle that companies like Amazon and Starbucks have explicitly endorsed and made commitments to respect, but um, their conduct is clearly in violation of their own policies. Um, what's next, um, you know, in terms of the ongoing, um, I guess the May, the May vote is very important um, at Amazon. Um, what's next in terms of, you know, your relationship with Amazon and, and, and how you view the company? You know, we're a very, you know, our, we measure our time horizon in decades. So we're a long-term shareholder and we'll continue to seek to engage and to reform Amazon to protect the long-term interests of the company and its shareholders. But, you know, the issue before investors today is, you know, the director election at later this month, you know, we are urging investors to um, vote against two longstanding directors on the committee that has oversight responsibility for human capital management. And so these directors are ultimately 
accountable for the company's poor practices. And so we've urged, and we believe they should be removed from the board. So we've encouraged shareholders to uh, vote against their election. And what kind of performance metrics would you like to see in, let's say, Amazon refreshes the board? Um, what would you like to see to get a sense that the human capital management situation is improving or achieving greater transparency? I think that they would need to refresh the board and add some more directors with relevant skills and experience. The committee currently has three members, only one of whom does the company's proxy statement list human capital management as a skill and experience that that director has? The two directors whose elections we're opposing do not have that uh, skill set, but I, I think that investors and the company would benefit from greater representation on the board from directors who, who brought that experience to the table. Yeah. When you think about the funds as a whole um, and how, you know, your kind of investment approach going forward, um, where what are some of the other issues that you think you want to kind of move the, the lever a little bit in terms of your portfolio companies? Um, I, you know, Comptroller Lander has, has prioritized diversity, which has been a longstanding priority for the systems. I should mention that the controller does have the ability to set priorities, but he's only he doesn't have unilateral authority. You know, we have we're a system of five different pension for, funds, each with their boards. So, you know, the controller will make recommendations to the systems regarding priorities, and you know, the trustees have been extremely supportive of diversity initiatives to date. Right. Are there any other upcoming votes that you think could be a catalyst for some change that you can talk about? Um, hmm. No, I'm, I've been so focused on Amazon. It's such a consequential vote at such a consequential company. I mean, I think the company's labor practices and the board's oversight thereof set the tone for the market. Yeah. Have they done anything positive or constructive, you know, since the December, your initial filing and proposal in December? Um, they put out a health and safety report that um, has not helped, which is I think in response to investor demands, but it hasn't helped us assess whether uh, their you know, other sources have reported that they're in, not only are their injury rates higher than their peers, but the rate of serious injuries is higher than at other warehouses. Mm -hmm. So do you think that they would be in a position to either change, you know, protocols internally? I mean, what, what would you like to see? I think, I think that management has to change protocols internally, and I think it's up to the board to hold management's feet to the fire to do that. Absolutely. I mean, this is a company, you know, they have a quota and, you know, they have all these um, systems for mass managing their workforce, which puts extraordinary pressure on its workers, which has resulted in high injury rates and high turnover, and is likely leading to the drive by workers to, to seek a union. Yeah. What else would you say? I mean, you obviously have a, a, a voice to you know, shareholders ahead of this vote. You know, what are some of the key considerations or points that you would outline ahead of that vote? I think that the investor community generally has been talking about the importance of human capital management. I think that investors should put their votes where um, you know, their mouth is that this is, you know, a critical opportunity to put that to a test. I mean, just to 
underscore the attention that human capital management has gotten. You know, we've been part of a group of investors that petitioned the SEC for rules to enhance disclosure with respect to human capital management. And Chair Gensler has you know, voiced support for that. I, I think we expect the SEC to issue proposed rules, hopefully in the coming weeks, that will enhance disclosure of human capital management. Agreed. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate your time and insight, and we'll be watching at that vote coming up. Great. Thank you, Joanne. Thanks again.